0: Now, all the kids except me. Dude, when Amos was like having this little freak out there, I was like, oh, my people, my people. That was me as a kid. Uh, I remember my parents kind of uh, came to faith later than a lot of people in our church. So they were presenting the kid before. I and mean, a lot of churches have baby presentations or baptisms or dedications. And you have all these little kids and you have me at four years old who's having a bigger tantrum than all the kids because I was having like this little autistic fit or something. So whenever I see a kid like freaking out, I'm like, oh man, this should be the place, this needs to be the place where kids can model us, for us it's okay to freak out. You know, uh, this whole idea of the Sunday best,
1: doesn't. the Sunday best is
0: the authenticity. Sunday Best is, this is a place where you don't need to use an Instagram filter or a perception field to be whatever. Sunday Best is just be real. So, I, anyway, so it's Lent, and man, what a heck of a week. Um, in our own family here, uh, Luis and Rachel, um, uh, Luis's sister, Anaya. Ine- uh, in- Ine- Ine- I, I'm not very good always at pronunciations. Husband Eneo uh, uh, passed away. Uh, he, uh, just a young, healthy person, uh, super-like fit, uh, you know, handsome, young, young person, just had an aneurysm, hooked up on machines, they looked up. no brain activity. It was with Jesus. Uh, if you know, they'd been celebrating, uh, you know, in quick succession, they're having three kids. And so Luis's sister uh, became a widow overnight. And many of you know Luis uh, and Rachel have been married for some time now, but because of the difficulties with our immigration system, and to the level it was frankly dismantled and, and, and broken in the last few years. It wasn't good, and then a lot of things got kind of sabotaged. He can't leave the country because if he does, he can't come back. He has not got his green card yet. Um, he's unable to work and pay taxes that help our country and cities stay aloft. And frankly, uh, when you read all about the Bible, it talks about welcoming the fo- alien stranger, uh, fatherless widow ailing the stranger. Um, that's just one way that we're more Babylon than the kingdom of God. And you know, I'm a professional American. I've been studying it for 50 years. Um, I look at every other nation, like I study the freedom index of every nation, and we've got 62 nations before of us. But let me tell you guys, I'm grateful at the same time. But I'm going off on a rabbit trail. Um, we don't know what this is going to mean. We're going to pray right now that Louise can get expedited immigration appointments so he can go be with his family. As the church, we're going to take care of these guys, whatever they may need. To care for this family and we don't know all the details yet but many know Luis's father pastors two churches in mexico as well and they're they've just taken hit after hit and they're just faithful people matte finish not gloss lovers of jesus so father god i pray for Luis's sister god and our pr- three precious children god and Lord, you need, uh, you need to come to their aid. You need to make haste to help them, God. Oh, we're just even surveying like just what short-term or long-term needs will happen here. But we just ask comfort for your people, Father, comfort for your people. And Rachel and Louise, who are grieving apart from their families right now, God, you hate on just scales. You hate on just scales. So many people fly signs, God, about the things you hate. And the one thing that you're very clear about hating is injustice. Help us to fly those signs, Lord Jesus. And I ask for your justice to roll down and your restoration provision for this family. And Father, I pray you would activate us and galvanize us to be present to Rachel and this time. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And also a a friend of many in this church, John Doyle uh, died uh, this week. John leads an international men's ministry specifically focusing on helping men cease to objectify women through various areas. You know, uh, a lot of people when they talk, he's helped so many people break free from the bondage of porn or any other way that uh, human beings who bear the image of God are treated as objects. The reason I'm going through that long explanation is a lot of times there's this thing, a lot of people call purity culture that almost makes like any, anything that would be a temptation to you evil. And we're Jesus people. We don't, uh, when Jesus touched the leper, the leper got healed, he didn't get sick. And the, the sin of purity culture is that association uh, taints you and versus being a healing association. What I loved about John Doyle's ministry was he taught people to follow Jesus and that set them free. It wasn't try harder, it wasn't go from objectifying an object of temptation, a person of temptation seeing them as a threat to seeing them as precious to Jesus. That's totally different than the version of Christianity I saw growing up. We learned how to I mean, I actually, I actually had teachers at a Christian school I went to that blamed women if they struggled with lust and ended up three of them, three of them eventually were being inappropriate, if you know, know what I mean. And then we have John Doyle, who uh, led this ministry that has got people all over the world meeting in Zoom rooms. Many of you are privately a part of those groups or have been online and here. And he's gone and our dear friend uh, Rob Turner who is his colleague is now kind of left carrying the mantle of this. Her family shattered and so many people are hurting. So I want just to pray to all the people. I mean, John, John's not hurting. John's with Jesus. John had no clue at the scope of his outreach. But I believe when he went to be with Jesus, you know, some people think Jesus is going to just give one last shame dig in before he welcomes them to the kingdom. And I think... I like what the Bible says about wiping every tear and saying, well done, good and faithful servant. I think for the first time, John got a revelation of how his, what he thought were his meager efforts had blessed so many people. So Father God, I pray for John, John's wife, John's children, John's grandchildren, and his countless friends that have found hope, God. I pray special blessing on Rob Turner as he kind of is... Bearing the mantle of this leadership now unexpectedly and just Gotta come to their aid make haste to help them Jesus in the name of the Father Son and Holy Spirit and Finally uh, the world is on fire or at least Ukraine is and uh, you know we've got several vineyards in Ukraine as well as Russia and uh, I was just looking you know the Ukraine vineyard streamed their little ragtag service Um, Two hours ago, so the Central Vineyard Facebook page, I linked to the Church in Ukraine's Facebook page. It's actually very weirdly similar to this little uh, awkward gathering of people. And uh, we've got a lot of relational ties, both to Russia and to there. And uh, beyond the talking heads of opiners about, you know... Any conflict in this world is worse and worser. It's not bad and good. It's bad and worse or bad and worse or bad and abominable. Because without Jesus' reign fully inaugurated, everything is tainted. We serve in tainted systems, but here's the one thing forbidden the followers of Jesus. Man, I, get a- I-, I used to get angry emails whenever I'd say something like this. You know, imagine your favorite food. Imagine your favorite food ever, and imagine ten percent of it ends up being dog dew. If you have this big bowl of your favorite food and mixed in is just ten percent dog doo, you're not going to say, "Oh, this! I'm a big fan of this dish. It's awesome." You're going to say, "Oh, well, I can't eat that. That's gross." That's what earthly kingdoms are like. Yeah. You know, my, my liberal friends, Sam, a conservative, my conservative, Sam, a liberal, a bunch of pastors before called me a commie. I'm like, you've never even met, read Adam Smith or Karl Marx. So quit throwing. Anyway, that's a rabbit trail. And you know what? I'm, I'm a Jesusist. They say, are you a capitalist or communist? I said, no, I, I like the economics of Jubilee. The greatest system never taught that within all of us, there's enough abundance for everyone, not because we have some perfect equation of redistribution, but because the spirit transforms our hearts to generosity. So when we look at war, we celebrate nonviolent resistance where people walk out. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Father, forgive them. They know what not they do. We, you know, we mourn for the dead of any side. You know, we talk about lives lost in a war. Generally, a nation talks about their lives lost. And then there's maybe statistics of collateral damage. We think image bearers of precious Jesus who died. I'm just saying, I'm a Jesusist. Um, I'm Jesuscratic. I'm a Jesusan, or whatever. You know, when we look at this war, um, if you look at human rights, in civil liberties, you know, uh, we've got like Scandinavia, 100%, what America, I think, is at 81, uh, Ukraine is 61, and uh, Russia is 14. And every nation Russia has taken over as a proxy has under 14 civil liberties. So I want people, I believe in the non coercive, loving God who wants his people to flourish. So I don't, I'm not a fan of Ukraine. I'm a fan of all our brothers and sisters there and I believe in Jesus but I am praying Protection on them and a cease from this aggression and if we are followers of Jesus, here's one thing and Listen, God has so much mercy on us. We are never allowed to admire power We can understand ways people exert power, but we admire the Lamb of God who in Revelation said, Behold, look at the lion of the tribe of Israel. And John looked at a baby lamb. How you interpret the, 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 the even the metaphor of violence is taken to say the biggest roar is the sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross, who came back, took on violence. The power and systems came. Three said, Forgive them, they know not what they do. Three days later, is that all you got, Love Wins? And we're going to read this passage of where Jesus was tempted with the same temptations I've given into so many times. And Jesus is tempted in uh, ways that church, or if you study church history, every orga- every hierarchical church organization has systemically fallen. To the three temptations that were uh went the way of jesus in this passage so we're reading uh this very simple event devotional by brian zahn i'm going to read the passage and just read the devotional we've been gathering for zoom calls in the morning to do this and then i just have some things to say and there's an example for our time of one of the most amazing women in world history in my opinion that really can inform our living this out because guys No matter what happens when you see these worship services of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, you know what that tells us all the fear mongering of people in the name of Jesus in the United States all the christians that cry our rights are being violated we're persecuted and you see these people who are being shelled raising hands and worship with joy and love and you know when you see the countenance you see the uh young woman that was uh doing the stream this morning you're like oh that's like humble power that's our vocation we you know grumpiness is not a gift of the spirit Worry is not a gift of the Spirit. You know, the Spirit comes in power, and that doesn't mean we try to conquer the seven mountains of worldly influence and we're going to be celebrities, we're going to be influencers, we're going to run our, we're going to take over this political party or that political party. Um, Jesus was offered that. He's like, oh, sorry, keep your pile. We. Christians don't conquer mountaintops to serve. We live in the valleys. We're valley dwellers. Uh, there's been a whole movement within American evangelicalism, American Pentecostalism, American Reformed theology. There's a form called Dominion Theology. And actually, this affects you because, you know, the people that you've seen be the most vitriolically unkind in the name of Jesus actually believe this theology for the most part. And it's that we have to conquer these mountains of influence. I mean, there's people that have left the vineyard movement over this. Because we believe in the kingdom of God, the mustard seed, the foot-washing savior. There's a lot more fun. You know, you don't want to have a dominionist over for lunch. They kill the party. You want Jesus where the most broken people would brave the shame barriers to party with Jesus. We've got something abundant and awesome here. And this seven mountain theology, which is a thing, you can Google it. um, It's been a thing I've been studying up a lot. And I noticed, I I, I was thinking of this, and I'm always thinking of metaphors, guys. I don't know if it's God or my weird wiring or both. I don't have to worry. I just enjoy it. Thank you, God, for making me weird. It's hard socially sometimes, but I have fun anyway. But seven mountains produce, if they're in a circle, these seven mountains produce eight valleys. Jesus gave eight beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. Starts out with blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus influences from the bottom, fearful people who destroy image bearers of God influence from the top. And I bet most of us have believed at one point if we've been a follower of Christ for maybe 10 or 20 years or whatever, that we've gotta be like the people who are cloying for the top. And let me tell you, it doesn't end well. You know what? If you lead from the bottom, you're never going to get a Discovery Channel documentary talking about all the crap that went on behind the scenes. If you're going to lead from the bottom, you're not getting people in your church to sign non disclosure agreements to protect the witness of Christ. You know, there are no secrets in the kingdom, except the secret is this. Paul talks about it in uh, uh, Ephesians. The secret is this neither male nor female, slave or free, all are one in Christ. That's the secret. He used the word Mysterion, which was about like Gnostic mysteries. The, the big secret is everyone gets to play. No one else had that view of women or slaves anywhere in the ancient world. Anyway, so let's read Brian's Zahn before I just talk forever. I'll read the Bible first. I like this Bible. Uh, This is N.T. Wright's translation of 4, 1 through 11. Actually, yeah, I like this one. I was uh, debating two translations, but it says this. Then Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tested by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and in the end, he was famished. Of course. (laughs) Then the tempter approached him. If you really are God's son, he said, tell these stones to become bread. And the Bible says, replied Jesus, that it takes more than bread to keep you alive. You actually live on every word that comes out of God's mouth. Then the, temp- the, then the devil took him to the holy city and stood at the pinnacle of the temple. He said, if you're really God's son, he said, throw yourself down. And the Bible does say, after all, that God will give you his angels a com- he will give his angels a command about you, and they will carry you in their hands so that you will not hurt, hit your feet against the stone. Then the devil took him again, this time to a very high mountain. Ho, ho, seven mountains. Okay, Jesus, Jesus was presented with seven-mountain theology here, actually, or single-mountain, whatever, mountain theology. He said, there he showed him all the magnificent kingdoms of the world. I'll give this whole lot to you if you fall down and worship me. Get out of it, Satan, replied Jesus. The Bible says, worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. Then the devil left him. The angels came and looked after him. You know, by the way, Jesus is all about kingdom. Notice the devil offered him these kingdoms. Jesus doesn't want America. Jesus doesn't want Russia. Jesus doesn't want, uh, you know, uh, whatever. Sealand. <laughs> Jesus wants humankind on this beautiful planet that He's going to restore. He and He recognizes one kingdom. Offering these kingdoms is like kind of like you're you're uh uh. Well, let's do the food metaphor again. Uh, you're having uh the best vegan or carnivore dish you could ever imagine, and someone comes up with a moldy vegan Pop-Tart or botulistic pork and says, I'll give you all of this, and Jesus is like, "Oh." But all seriousness, we, uh, let's read what Brian says about this in our devotion. By the way, we're reading these every morning and just pray and talk, and if you can stay for 10 minutes, that's good, 30 minutes, 8 o'clock Zoom. Um, okay, let's read what Mr. Zahn says about this. Prior to his public ministry, Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness in prayer and fasting. And during that time, he was tempted by a devil. But how did the devil come to Jesus? And by the way, I'm going to add some stuff in between here. I, I'm going to remix it a little bit or adapt it. Did he come wearing a red suit, sporting horns or a forked tail, carrying a pitchfork? Did he say, "Hi, I'm the devil, and I'm here to tempt you. Let's begin"? Of course not. The devil came to Jesus the same way the devil comes to us, disguised as our own thoughts. As Jesus considered the course of his ministry, the devil tempted to compromise the integrity of his mission, and we live. Because of the internet, and because of accessibility, people have always been people, and people have always been the same. But now, there's nothing secret anymore. Kind of like what Jesus said would happen. And uh, there's been, this is the season of a great exposure. And we're seeing this uh, CEO approach to church that worries about preserving branding more than healing the wounded and being authentic is crashing down. And COVID just turned it into wildfire. And by the way, that's the fire of revival. You know, uh, some people avoid getting medical health care sometimes because they can't afford it. A lot of times, because some people do because they're scared of what they might find out. And you know, there's a joy. My friends are physicians in England and they have a real culture of preemptive care, they say the difference between us and some of the doctors you know is we spend most of our time catching things before it's too late. And think of the joy of diagnosing cancer early. That is what the authenticity of the kingdom does. You know, think about the joy of intervening in the system before it evolves to a systemic, systemic sexual abuse in an organization. Think of the first hint of it Airing it out so the sunlight of Jesus Christ bleaches out the black mold of abuse. Okay, okay. I'm going. I gotta get back to Brian here. Um, the three good ideas suggested by the devil were to feed everyone, persuade everyone, and liberate anyone. Sounds good, right? Uh, they seemed like good ideas, but that there's the devil was in the details. First temptation is to feed everyone. But forget about God. This is the temptation to make the kingdom of God solely about social justice. Listen, part of our vocation is feeding. What I've noticed over the years I, uh, is having a relationship with Jesus destroys bureaucracy and gets food to people quicker. You guys here from Tom Blade Hope? Convoy of Hope is five guys got together who were AG and Vineyard guys and they figured, hey, let's write a computer program that calculates the empty shipping containers and let's use it to take surplus food to places. And normally couldn't get there and be the first one. And then they start going to where there's disaster relief. You know, they were, Convoy of Hope were feeding Puerto Rico while the U.S. government was pretending like nothing happened. And you know what their rule is? The only way we distribute things is through local churches, because they don't have to think of the why and they don't argue about the logistics. They just get and do it and people get food quicker. So because of that, their charity, any money you give to them, it's like 4% runs the overhead. That's unheard of. I mean, check out some of the other well-known charities. That is when you serve Jesus and worship him only, people eat well. The other thing about turning stones to bread, It's like, God does not want to non-relationally pummel people with bread. He wants us to Eucharistically break bread with the hungry. This is non-relational justice. And I know a lot of people like to send their money, but you know, one of the things we believe God called our church to is we break bread with, we don't throw food at. Because just as Jesus broke bread with the hurting, And he fed people he was proximate to. If every follower of Jesus followed that with the relationship with Jesus first that impacts how they view the worth and value of others. A, you have bureaucracy of relief gone. C, you have Holy Spirit creativity. And and Satan is saying non-relationally engage this world. That's not how Jesus works. Jesus loves him so much jesus loves you all so much you know gabe jesus loves you so much that he is going to throughout your life invite you to be with people he if you pray and ask god say show me suffering and show me resource that i have and make matches he'll do it the rest of your life jesus brings his kids to work and his job doesn't stink Jesus brings his kids to work, not because we bring efficiency to anything, but because Jesus has joy being with the vulnerable, and he wants us to know how cool it is to not play Satan's game in the world. Friends, we all can play there. We don't have to agree on very much, other than Jesus. And that can bring us together. We don't have to check mark every box. We need Jesus, because guess what? The Holy Spirit relationally doesn't drop us with a new OS and reformat our brain, get it. He relationally, little by little, as we interact with the Word, with other people in the Holy Spirit, He gently reforms us relationally. God ain't in a hurry, so that way. So stones to bread, boom. God's not a magician. magician. He's a friend that's more powerful than any friend you could ever have. Second temptation. The second temptation is to persuade everyone and eliminate the need for faith or a leap of faith or mystery. This is the temptation to prove God empirically, either by the miraculous or by science, and thus remove the need for faith. The capacity and freedom to believe or doubt is what creates space for us To have free, non-coercive relationship with God. You know, if God, I mean, there are theological traditions that have tried to boil down this brilliant story into a grid of truths, and then they argue about it. But if you read the story of the Bible, God is non-coercive. You know, when Jesus looked down at Israel, just messing it up, he wept tears and not weeping said i feel just like i want to mother these people i want to take them like a hen and put them under hands and put them under my wings and protect them and then it said and therefore jesus clapped his hands and took over jesus meets us in the valley not from the mountain satan took him to the mountain jesus meets people in the valley he may preach on the sermon on the mount but he heals in the slums People say, you know, there are actually some what I would call dominionist strands of Christendom in America where they get together in these giant buildings to have prayer for revival. And I love, but what I know revival, when revival happened in Victorian England, housing for the houseless was invented. The, I, Octavia Hill, when this Holy Spirit revival came, she invented what we now call social work. And said, helping the poor needs to be relationally delivered through people. Because people need a relationship to escape poverty, and they need food. The idea of uh, uh, F.D. Morris, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he, and he told his fellow Christian professors at, at Oxford and Cambridge, he says, if you want to teach the poor... Jesus is not in your classroom. He's in the slums. And we have this class system in England The education is not available to the poor. It's kind of like the deal, like, let's say uh, all the poor people in the town give a percentage of their income, and that's what pays to educate people. All people in a rich area of town put their money together and uh, pay a percentage of it and give their kids a good education. And then it just keeps that going on. I mean, I wonder if some countries do that. Back then, there was no such thing as public education. But then they said, we're going to start college, night colleges that are free for the poor and for women. And what they said, if you want Jesus in your classroom, teach at night. And public education. Uh, you know, I, I can go on. I, I, no one's ever made the connection here, but I, my friend discovered letters of George MacDonald and his wife, Louise, and discipling Octavia Hill, and I started to pull that thread, and I found this whole relational-based kingdom conspiracy that we still live by today. I'm trying to get one of my PhD-ish friends to do their dissertation on it, but maybe I'll write a book someday. So anyway, uh, prove yourself... Now let's do the final deal here. Let's leave the final temptation here. Now I want to talk about how I've been tempted, how we've been tempted, and uh, how we can have more fun. Even though we cry a lot. Because Jesus, people cry a lot. Or at least feel like crying. The third temptation was the most subtle. It's the temptation to forcefully liberate everyone and kill the bad guys. This is the temptation to bypass the cross and seize Caesar's sword. Which many of the church did at the time of Constantine. Um, Before that, I just lost my place. The third good idea is the temptation to reach for the ring of power for you, Lord of the Rings fans. Uh, One ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all and in the darkness bind them. This is the temptation to justify the means by the end. This is dominion theology. This isn't serving in the valleys and washing the feet. You know, Jesus healed powerful people sometimes at a distance, and he hugged lepers, soaking their wounded, festering wounds into his one pair of clothes while showing them proximity and acceptance that they hadn't experienced and say that they were affected. That's why I believe Jesus smelled like hell. Can you imagine? If you hug lepers and you don't have laundry mats, you're not going to smell good. The stank of Jesus. I think about that a lot. They, they didn't have multi level marking oils and such like that, really, I guess, or whatever. You can get those off Amazon for cheaper, by the way. Um, now I'm really treading dangerous ground. <laughs> Jesus perceived that to justify violent means by imagined good end is to worship the devil. Oh, here it is. If someone online is going to see this and write me a whole thing about how I'm a communist, you know what? Or tell it, you know, they, there's this idea that people are weak. Like this idea pacifist means paddling puking, little weakling. You know what? Did you see all those people doing human walls while the Russian war, war machine lived on? With no worries of their own life? What takes more courage? Trying to get someone to drop a nuke on someone else? Or standing in the front of the tank like back in Tiananmen Square days. Listen, you know, loving your enemy requires more courage and more fortitude. And I'm not going to use the metaphors to describe male anatomy because women are just as strong. If not stronger sometimes. Jesus fortifies us to love people that hate us. And you know, when I see these people talking about oh, our freedoms are being taken away in America and I'm like, you know what I'm so freaking free that I'm able to have an abundance of money to send to other places in the world to help meet the needs of others or equip them to meet the needs of us. I have so much freedom in this country, even though it ranks only 61 and not 100 like Norway, so much freedom that I can be generous to places that are less free. I'm sorry, I'm not willing to call that persecution. I want to call that hashtag blessed. And listen I, listen, I know I'm freer than a lot of people in our country. You know, I've got a certain pigmentation and a certain gender that gets me access to things. Ask me how many times I've broken the wall and been thrown against the top of a police cruiser. Zero. How many times have I seen someone that doesn't look at me thrown against a police cruiser? At least a dozen. So I recognize I'm playing life on the easy setting. Oh, by the way, before someone says, oh, you're just hating yourself, you're feeling bad. No, I feel convicted. I'm not ashamed. I feel convicted because, you know what? The Holy Spirit opened my eyes and said, like, uh, kind of liberated me from what I call whiny, whiny Christianity. And that's like, oh, I'm being oppressed, I'm being oppressed. No, I know people are being oppressed and they're the last ones to complain. I don't want to be, I want to be the church in China. Not the, what passes for Dominion Theology uh, Church with a poison pill in America. You know, these viral disciple-making movements. You won't ever hear some stories. Dana is an amazing storyteller. Look at, uh, uh, look at uh, or the book. What book? I'm blanking out on the book you've got to read. Uh, um, the DMM text. Oh, my gosh. 50 years old has hit me hard. Well, anyway, uh, I know, well, I'm not, we're both in the same boat as far. Anyway, the world where so many places where it's illegal to follow Jesus, you can't stop the church growing. There are, uh, uh, I don't know if it's up to 100 yet, but the amount of little small splinter Jesus groups meeting in private in Iran, just affiliated with our people, our tiny little tribe is tremendous and those people are raising hands in worship they're not going on talk radio whining about it i'm just saying i'm not listen i was that person i used to listen to the complainers and i used to justify it i'm just saying we we don't whine we're given the new wine of the kingdom we don't whine we don't complain we dance and we mourn you know the thing about snark snark is not mourning and snark is not dancing Snark is dismissive. You know what? If you follow Jesus, you're gonna be sadder than you've ever been sometimes And you're gonna be happier than you've ever been my relationship with God means death hurts more because I know how wrong it is My relationship with God means I can dance between the teardrops And I feel like I feel like Wizard of Oz from black and white to color neo out of the matrix, whatever It hurts so bad to follow Jesus, but you're so alive And you're too busy loving people to judge them. And we're healers, not pointers. We don't point the finger, we reach out the hand. And the Holy Spirit will bring people around on his timetable. God doesn't microwave, he marinates. So, this is all the temptation of The temptation was for Jesus to do things the way so many people want him to do it. The same... Concept Saint was throwing at our Lord and Savior. I've listened to two sermons this week of people I know, like one degree of separation or so, saying the opposite. I'm like, man, you're not good. That that does not age well. The call of celebrity, dominionism, uh, misogyny, uh, the people to argue over their grids to explain like women can't this or that. Grumpiness is not a fruit of the spirit, and I, I listen. I was liberated from that. I, I think of God. I was a resentful person about how other people were doing, and I felt like entitled. You know, I could have become an incel or something like that back in college. And then Psalm 73 talks about this guy being like a brute beast, hating their enemies. And I read that psalm, and then it says, and then God reached out with His right hand and pulled me out of resentment, pulled me out of uh, the mud pulled me out of wishing my enemies wouldn't prosper he pulled me out and to me it's like he needed a winch because i was in tar of resentment in tar of american christendom and i would be talking about kazakh Christ- christendom if i was in kazakhstan i'm grateful for this place so really quick oh man i didn't even get to go on julian and norwich yet oh wow so anyway I might do, I'll try to do a little YouTube video on this. I'll just give you a little teaser. If you can get your app and watch it, I'll figure out how to get it on there. CB app. Uh, Julian Norwich, uh, uh, 1348, I think, uh, 1414. What was going on? 100 years war. It was was one of the first times in Western Europe where the churches became nationalistic. You had the French church and the English church killing each other. The churches were given to national. There was a global pandemic that kept going and coming. The bubonic plague had three big visitations. Uh, The church, you had people trying to get control of the political entity of the church and fighting over it. And you had two papacies. You had one in Rome and one in Avignon. And they were fighting and both had like little brothel-y things going on and other things. I mean, so the churches, organized Christianity is pursuing political power in real estate. There was a pandemic. And by the way, the church in the valleys were the only ones caring for the sick in Europe. I got some stories about that. Julia Norwich was a mystic woman who evolved from someone wishing that God would kill her or cause her pain, that she goes to this coma and has 17 visions of... In the inexpressible love of God, She walls up in this little cell. It's like an apartment and people bring her food and she has a little direct thing. People say, "Oh, oh, she was torturing herself for the kingdom. Like she wanted to hurt herself so much she could be close to God. Well, listen, I know a lot of people on the spectrum that would love to live in a little apartment, have everything bring to them and have a regimented order praying 18 times a day or whatever. She was living her best life. She never had to get close to people. No one ever touched her. So she was counseling people from the window. She had more influence. This woman had more influence. In fact, first woman to publish in the English language and the church tried to hide it was a woman for the first hundred years. First woman to publish in the English language. She is one of the most influential people. The church never, churches that make saints never called her a saint. You're all saints. And you know what? You... I think I might be, maybe a couple people. You can't name who was Archbishop, who was bishop, you can't name who was Pope or Popes. You can't name who was king, probably, unless you're a history made, European history. But how many people who here has ever heard of Julian Norwich? Just curious. Okay. Who many who can name all the popes? Okay. Her her final revelation is amidst a world of plague, Christian nationalism, hundred years of war, all will be well. All will be well. All manner of things will be well because she believed the mustard seed kingdom was going to win because that's what Jesus said. So, my friends, my friends, we are invited. You can never listen. This is a slow process, it's a patient ferment. Here's the deal, guys you're not going to figure this out overnight. You'll maybe figure out one thing every now and then and live in the mercy that God is holding his little child who's the apple of his eye saying, Let's go to work. I remember taking, I mean, my kids are over 18, so you can't call children's services on me anymore. I remember going to brothels in Cambodia with my daughter and then buying people meals and doing prayer ministry in there. And I had someone rebuke me and say, you can never be too safe. I said, none of us would be Christians if the early church were safe. And I was safe, by the way. No one's gonna mess up their establishment with a crime like that to stop their income. And that set her life on a thing where the joy, and she's engaging things, that formational thing to be proximate to suffering rewrote her life. And I'm saying we get to all have that joy. We get to all, God, like I brought her to work, God is bringing us all to work. And God is good. Let's stand. Prayer, folks, communion, worship. Um, I need the elements. Can someone pass them out? Do we even have them out of storage? We're running a really sh- uh, short shift today because uh, shift today because uh, all the different things going on. So you know what, Jesus, Jesus's feast was not the feast of victors in war. Jesus, the Passover feast was first celebrated by slaves who were going to be free. And it was about Israel being set free through no effort of their own, but through the liberation of God from slavery. And Jesus reappropriated this at the Passover before they murdered him. And he said, hey, the broken bread and this cup, this is the covenant in my blood. Every time you eat or eat it, depending on what denomination you're from, uh, every meal, some people believe, do this in remembrance of me. And the idea is you are what you eat. When you partake of the Passover, you're not talking about God setting one people group free, like in the Torah. You're talking about the return, God's return to set everyone free, every tribe, tongue, and nation. And when we we take these elements, the little grape juice and gluten-free, whatever, we're saying uh, that this is what we're going to be about. This is my Pledge of Allegiance. My politics is Eucharist. My party is Eucharist. My My OS OS is Eucharist, which means Eucharist. Eucharist. Eucharisto means to worship or joy or praise, right? In Greek, Eucharisto. And they call the Eucharist is basically the rejoice. I didn't get the Greek totally right. But uh, so, Lord Jesus, we pray your real presence over these elements and help us to be joyful mourners. Help us to dance beneath the teardrops and help us not to hate Those that have misappropriated your message to cause harm, but I pray you would give them a holy sense of longing for seeing they don't have to be grumpy, they can be the hands and feet of Jesus. Amen? Do it. And you know what? This whole Norwich town of 12,000 people. Virtually everyone at one time or another would go to this little window, just have Julian pray for them. We've got one, two, three, four, five people that want to pray for you. She had more influence praying one-on-one with people than any king in the history of England. And we are often you pray to prayer today. Because listen guys, this isn't trying harder. This isn't having a knowledge bomb and being able to do it. We need the Holy Spirit. It's mystical, it's weird, can't really explain it. But something happens is one broken person who's dearly loved by Jesus, asks another broken person who's dearly loved by Jesus and beautiful at the same time to pray for you. God is present in a way. And often, so if your physical illness, relational struggles, marital struggles, Self-harming, self-loathing, body image, uh, issues with your family, your employment, whatever. Pray and we'll expect God to show up. Amen? All right. God bless you guys.